It's great to be back with you again. It's been a while. So, and uh, as we were singing Oceans, I was thinking to myself, I, you know, I've been through about that over the last number of years. I just had my last surgery, I think almost three weeks ago now. So, uh, I hope I'm finally there. <laughs> so, uh, the, the one thing that has helped me a lot is I have uh, continued to meet with Pastor Adrian from time to time. So we get together for coffee every month or two. And uh, uh, he's been a great support to me and I hope I have been to him and his. Uh, he came here at a time that we had done all this transition work and I'm glad to see fruits of that still arising among you. Uh, but he walked into uh, the COVID pandemic and I had to help you as church lead that. So I think we've been a mutual support for each other. It's been, uh, been awesome to be together. So uh, that way I also got to hear the gossip. So my sermon this morning is called Plans and Promises, and it's actually a pre-Advent sermon, okay? Pre-Advent. I hope it'll speak into what you're doing in your mission vision and in your life. Uh, Advent's only two weeks away. And uh, then it all starts again. I've already noticed in my neighborhood some Christmas lights up. So, yeah. All right. Uh, let's get into this word of God. Let's ask God for a blessing. Gracious God, for thousands of years, many centuries, this word that we will read today has been spoken, has been heard, has been taken into the lives of many people who have followed you. And today we ask that your spirit will bless us anew and afresh with these chapters, with these words from you, so that we may find life and find it in the fullest sense. We seek your blessing in Jesus' name, amen. The scripture passage is taken from the book of Hebrews. Uh, chapter 10 through the beginning of chapter 12. Remember uh, those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes, some days you were exposed to insult and persecution, and at other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those who were in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. That's a hard line to hear for me, isn't it, today? Joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves have better and lasting possessions. The rest is just stuff. So don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. 
But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed by God's command, so that what was seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he didn't experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it's not possible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness that's in keeping with faith. I've lost the scripture there. There's some slides missing, aren't there? Yeah. Okay. We'll go with it. By faith, Abraham was called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. And by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city without foundation, or city with foundations, whose architect and builder was God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. So from this one man, and as, a, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. But instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God, because he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abram, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. 
By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his Joseph's sons, and he worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses, parents, hid him for three months after he was born because he, they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ's greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was visible, visible, invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed by the, with those who were disobedient. <laughs> this is getting long already, right? What more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released that they may gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed into. They were killed by the sword. They went around in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world wasn't worthy of them. They wandered in the deserts and the mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commanded. I think I... Oh, sorry. There we go. These were all commended for their faith, and yet none of them received what they had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, that only together with us would they be made perfect. And therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let's run with perseverance the race marked for, out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's the word of the Lord for this morning. It's a long one, but it all needed to hang together. You all know what this is, right? As soon as you see a picture like that, right away, your mind goes to Ukraine 
and the Russians at war. And all that's involved with that, it's on our minds, it's in our hearts, right? You know what this is? I didn't when I saw it. Civil war in Mali. Civil war in Mali. And I was thinking when I saw the picture, I thought, how come this is not also on my mind? It's going on right now. This is the big picture right now in 2022 of war in the world. These are all countries at war or with terrorist insurgencies or in civil war or in drug war or in ethnic violence. And these are all countries where at least 1,000 people are being killed every year, up to 10,000 every year in fighting. Afghanistan, Burkina Faso, Colombia, Democratic Republic of the Congo, Ethiopia, Ethiopia, Iraq, Mali, Mexico, Nigeria, Somalia, South Sudan, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen. And on top of that, there's 14 other countries where war is starting to wane, where there is only between less than 1,000 deaths a year going on now. That's 29 countries in the world dying over conflict and war. That's the big picture of the world. I don't know about you, but I can't keep the big picture in my head. I just can't. But it's good to remind myself of this, that much more is happening in the big picture and how much more I need to pray and consider in my giving and how much more we actually ought to remember on Remembrance Day. I think the Russian-Ukraine war occupies my mind because it affects me more directly. That's my conclusion. My daughter-in-law is Polish-Ukrainian. We have, in Alberta, many Ukrainian folk living, right? It's part of our heritage of, of Alberta is the Ukrainian community. The countries of NATO are affected, and that's us as well. World oil, grain prices, food production. And the news holds this war in between Ukraine and Russia in front of our faces constantly in front of me. And same on Remembrance Day. On Remembrance Day, we remember the Canadian military and maybe our allies who are in our hearts and prayers wars that we were a part of, that they strike closer to home, it seems. They sit with us more. It's a connection that we do not have with the big picture in the world. God also has a macro plan. You know that, right? Most of us know that. 
At Emmanuel, my home church, we've had a series by Pastor Dan on that big picture of God, the grand plan of God. You know it because you've heard it before. There was a perfect creation. And the perfect creation gives way to sin and brokenness and death in the fall. That's all the origin of all war and pain. And then God gets involved in moving things forward towards redemption. He creates a people who live through him, who were created through Abraham. And they fail over and over and over and over again. And then God sends his son, a child, who we remember during Advent and Christmas, who begins this renewal, not based on sin, but based on his sacrifice for sin, his death, his resurrection from the dead. And a new people are begun, infected with the Spirit of God. That's us, believing in Jesus. And a new day is coming when Jesus is going to come back. We sang about that too. We heard about that again. Jesus coming back, he's going to heal everything that's broken and everything that's in pain, and there'll be perfect peace. One big story of God, one massive, grand, macro plan. But like the Hebrew Christians, I find it hard to hang on to that macro plan and its promises. I tend to find it hard to hang on to even the promises we sang in oceans. I tend to focus on what affects me in the here and in the now. I think most of us are kind of like that. The here and the now for the Hebrew Christians they were scattered throughout the Roman Empire. <clears throat> the here and now that was mostly on their minds was a difficult, difficult life. Chapter 10, verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you received the light. When you endured great conflict full of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult, persecution, and other times you stood side by side who were so, were so treated. You suffered along with those who were in prison. You joyfully accepted the confiscation of your, promise, of your property because you knew yourselves had a better and lasting possession. You see, you hear the hint in there? You knew that there's a bigger plan. You knew that God was going to do something to redeem everything. So don't throw away your confidence. It'll be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming, and he will not delay. Do you hear the problem in there? In those verses, a tough life sits side by side with God's promises, God's macro plan. A tough life has begun to eat away at their faith. Hebrews 11, verse 1, faith is confidence. Confidence in what we hope for, the macro plan, 
and assurance about things we do not see. God's promises for a healed world. We don't see that. And you know, honestly, when you read, he, Jesus, who is coming, will come, and he will not delay. Honestly, when you hear those words, isn't there a part of you that says, no delay? <laughs> it's been 2,200 years. 2,200 years. How much is life eroding your confidence? Your faith in the unfurling of God's kingdom in this world. How's life? How is your life? Pandemic is over? Um, the last week of September, 33 people died here in Alberta of COVID. And there were more than 400 new cases in Alberta in one week. Okay, that's not over yet, okay? Oh, and they are telling us it's flu season. And we have this new respiratory infection, in, especially in children that's going on now. There's a lot of kids out of school. <sighs> Losing your confidence in what you hoped for. We've got businesses that are trying to recoup all their losses. They're trying to get back on their feet, trying to move forward again, to pay off their debts. And it's creating pressure with many open jobs, but at the same time, we've got the rising cost of groceries going on and housing. I mean, how many times can you cut your expenses to pay for your basics? They tell you to cut coupons to save money on groceries, but you don't have the time to cut coupons because you've taken, taken on an extra job. And, and, and you find good child, car, child care hard to come by right now. Losing your confidence in what we hoped for. A stable economic life. There's cracks in our democracy, especially south of the border. You've been watching that, right? And you're going, oh man, the radicalization of ideas is happening in our country as well. Frustration with life is bubbling over. The Russia-Ukraine war going on, displaced people. North Korea is firing all kinds of multiple warheads. We're losing our confidence in what we hoped for, political peace. The church, we're in moral conflict, moral turmoil. We don't know what to do with all this now. Losing our confidence for the vision that we hoped for. And we have all the personal stuff too. You have it, I have had it. Last few years, I have had sepsis and was hospitalized for that. I had prostate cancer. I had shingles for eight months. And last month I had a hole in my chest wall operated on and fixed up and sewn up. I have more, I have more zippers in my body than a backpack. 
I, and you have to think for yourself, but I struggle sometimes with not growing weary and losing heart. So how do I overcome that? How do I live with that? What do I do with it? What is the hopeful message when the big picture of life is tough to hang on to? By faith. Hebrews 11. It doesn't say here. It doesn't say, have faith. It doesn't say, keep the faith. It doesn't say, more faith. It says, by faith. Confidence in what you hope for when you can't grasp the big picture of what God is doing. Confidence in overcoming weariness and gaining your heart back comes when by faith you take one step. Look at all the people in Hebrews 11. This is how he writes about it. Through their faith, by faith, they took a step forward in their lives. Through his faith, Abel brought offerings. Through his faith, Enoch pleased God and earnestly sought God. Through faith, Noah got his hammer out and built an ark. By faith, Abraham became an emigrant. He moved away. By faith, Sarah brought a child into this world. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. Notice every person's step forward is different. Each person's action in some way was ordinary to them. But they did something by faith, Jacob blessed each of his children, and he worshipped. By faith, Joseph made burial plans for his body in the promised land. By faith, Moses' parents hid him in the bulrushes. By faith, you take a step forward. What are you going to do. Because that will restore your confidence. We live kind of between the fall season now and the advent season. We're just starting in a couple of weeks. Another week or so, it's happening in my neighborhood already. We're beginning to decorate the darkness. We begin to plan our family and social celebrations. We start considering meaningful gifting, and we get into lighting Advent candles. We prepare for the coming of Jesus into our troubled lives and into our world. Life moves from the stresses of our world 
to the hopefulness of Advent and Christmas. It's also an opportunity to shift from this macro picture of God's plan to the picture of your personal life in Advent. Hebrews 11 invites you to rebuild your confidence, to increase your confidence in life and in the future, in God, by taking one step forward. An action that's unique to your life, you have to figure it out. It's an action that rises from faith. It comes through faith. Because faith works. We always say, we're not saved by works, we're saved by faith. Faith works. James told us that in his letter. Faith without action is dead. So God is inviting you in this upcoming Advent season, and I'm inviting you to shift your focus from the great grand kingdom-building program of God, the the kingdom-building dream that we all have, that through faith we just add one small step, one small kingdom-building step to our lives. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. And there's three quick steps that you can use to help you figure out what your next step ought to be. Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3. Drop it, stick to it, and focus on someone. Drop it. Let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Everything that hinders and the sin that... <sighs> at our house, we're doing another round of purging. I don't know, do you do, I don't know if you do that at your house. We do, we're doing a round of purging. Maria started it. It's not my fault. I, I struggle with that because I have this mantra in my set, head that says, keep it because you never know when it comes in handy. Do you have that at your house too? You know, stick it in the back closet somewhere. Well, we're doing this together, so I can't, I can't fudge on it. Right now, I'm going through all my clothes. I don't, I don't need the same clothes now that I'm retired than when I was working. So I'm packing up half, over half my clothes and giving it to a good cause. Hebrews is asking you the question of what? do you need to pack up and get rid of to take your next step in faith, through faith? What, what keeps you from taking that next step in your life? It could be sin that has to be stopped, or maybe you need to forgive someone or be forgiven by someone. That's a hindrance. Maybe it's a healthier life practice that you need to take, get started. A gift that you haven't been using that you ought to start using. Or a need that you know is around you and you haven't stepped forward to start on it. 
Work with other people to do that. What is it that hinders you? What is it that blocks you? Is it, is it time? I don't have time. We all have time. But the way we spend our time, is it bad habits? Is it the fear of, of trying something new and something you're not used to or familiar with? Is it that you have wrong priorities? I don't know what it is for you. But don't hesitate. The writer of Hebrews says, get rid of the one thing that keeps you from living out the dream of God towards a kingdom of God. You're one step in the renewal plan of God. And secondly, the second tool that Hebrews gives us is stick to it. Let's run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. Let's run with perseverance. Stick to it. Once you know your target, don't quit. Don't quit. I have to be physically active and I have to be mentally and spirit in order to be mentally and spiritually healthy. My last surgery was three weeks ago, and I, and I can't lift anything over five pounds for six weeks, two months. I can't. So, like, I have to go, Maria, can you take my dinner dish to the kitchen because I think it's over five pounds. <laughs> so, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And luckily, my Bible is also not more than five pounds. I'm halfway through my recovery, and I changed my style of life. I have a different practice in the morning now of prayer and meditation, of walking and using my elliptical machine. I also, during that time, started working on this sermon to focus me, cut back on food intake. But it's been hard to keep going every day to do that. It's not my normal practice. Without some of because I gave up some of the things I really love in order to heal up. Perseverance, perseverance. Take your step and move towards that goal. And when you get down or tired and just want to give up, talk to somebody else, talk to God. Talk to someone. I mean, when we had that vision stuff, we did that a few years ago together, right? And there were some concrete steps to take, and we talked as counsel about needing to keep ourselves focused on taking one step forward towards our dream. The dream is so big. One step. Regroup, push forward, let's run with perseverance the race that's marked for us. And then the third tool that he gives us is fix your eyes on someone. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You're a Christian only because of Jesus. You know that, right? He is the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He scorned its shame. He sat down at the right hand of God. His lordship is success. Sin and sinners didn't stop him, didn't wear him out, did not make him lose heart. And he still has that. He still has heart for you. Make him your inspiration. Make him your partner. Make him your model of success. Focus on someone. Fix your eyes 
on Jesus. God's great plan for salvation comes with an awful lot of great promises, folks. Hebrews 11.40, although none of the people of faith had yet received what had been promised because God had planned something better for us that only together with them would we be, all of us, be made perfect. Jeremiah says, I will restore you to health and heal your wounds. It means a lot to me. Verse 21, whoever devotes themselves, I will bring near, and she will be close to me. Chapter 31 of Jeremiah, I will come to give rest. Ah. On and on and on rise the promises that will lead to a day without night and to a life without pain and a world without end. Faith that is confidence and conviction and assurance about what we do not yet see, what we do not yet have. God's macro plan is made up of small steps that each of us takes by faith, and Advent is that time when the macro story of God comes right into your story. The how question, the how is the question that is asked of you as Jesus comes into the world. How will you live with those promises of God in the in-between time, in the already and not yet, between the past and the future? In Hebrews eleven fourteen, 14, they said they didn't receive these things that were promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. So it's really the question of what are you looking for? And how are you going to live towards it? How do you live in this world while living beyond this world? Use Advent to drop it, stick to it, and fix your eyes on Jesus. By faith, by faith, what step will you take? Watch God's small step. Is one small step a virgin will become pregnant? One step. She will give birth to a little baby. And then see what happens. One step into darkness becomes an explosion of light. The kingdom of God continues to unfurl. And every step matters. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In me. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious God, we hear your voice. We hear your glorious promises. We rest in them. We love them. And when times get tough for us, will you help us to, by faith, take a small step towards your kingdom coming? Help us to figure out what it is. Help us to not get lost this Advent season as well, but to stay focused. We thank you for the grace with which you carry us 
even in dark times. We thank you that even when the oceans pour over us, you lift us up and you lift our eyes above the waters. You lift our eyes to your son, Jesus Christ. And we seek his care, his spirit, his love, so that we may live forward into your kingdom coming. Lord, may your kingdom come and your will be done in us. In Jesus' name, amen.